Welcome to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna, and in today's show, we are going to be talking about money, manifestation, and miracles. So if you have been having some trouble in your life with your income, the flow of money, maybe it comes in and it goes right back out, this is a show that you definitely want to listen to. And I just want to thank you all so much. Love the listeners. I love checking the stats and seeing how many people have been listening and downloading each show. So uh, it's you guys that makes this happen and keeps me inspired to continue to interview people. And we love being able to give you this content for free. So if you'd like to keep it for free and help us with some of these production costs that um, we have to eat on our end, we would greatly appreciate that. And there's a couple of ways that you can become a sponsor. If you go to the path11podcast.com website, you will see that there is an orange button on the right side. And if you click that, it'll bring you to our Patreon page. And here you have the choice to make a money uh, donation, and it can be as little as a dollar a month, or you can become a $25 a month supporter. If you take a look at that page, we have some great giveaways, a guided meditation done by me, the Path Evolution DVD, a book by William Buhlman called Adventures Beyond the Body, How to Experience Out-of-Body Travel, and then the highest amount is $25 a month, and you become our trilogy supporter, and we send you the Path Trilogy series, which you will love. And if you want more information about that, go to our other website, path11productions.com, and you can check out the trailers and what those films are about. Okay, so let's get on to the show. So today I am joined with Mary Flor Toniato, who is the author of Money, Manifestation, and Miracles. As the CEO and founder of Power with Soul, she specializes in helping ambitious women entrepreneurs, professionals, and leaders to reach financial prosperity and success while fulfilling their social promise in the world. Her work has been featured internationally in media outlets like Yahoo Finance, Washington Post, International Business Times, Los Angeles Times, and much more. So welcome, Mary Flor. Thank you, April. Thank you for having me. I'm very, very excited to be with you. Yeah. And, you know, talk about divine timing that your book came across my desk. I had not heard of it before, but I am in the middle of doing a book club in my business with Marianne Williamson's book, The Law of Divine Compensation on Work, Money and Miracles. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, so I just picked up that book. I'm working with that. And then we got introduced to your work, Money, Manifestation and Miracles, a guide to transforming women's relationship with money. And your focus is more, you know, with women entrepreneurs. But I was like, this is perfect that it's coming, you know, into my life at this time, because I am working on this as a female entrepreneur myself. So what a gift. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. And yes, I mean, I do work a lot with women entrepreneurs, but this book really is for women at any level. The book will meet them wherever they are on their journey. And for that matter, actually, men would find a lot of value in reading it as well. Yeah, that's what I found reading the book, too. Um, It really... I think that there's there's great topics of conversation. We're going to get into it in a little bit, but really also just looking overall at what your relationship with money is, what your ancestral relationship has been with family. Um, so there's so much to look into whether you own a business or not. It's and I think people, you know, do like to talk about um, money because it's something that you know we're interchanging with on a daily basis in our culture. Exactly. So, 
So maybe you could, we could start off, you could tell our listeners, how did you start to get into this work and what has your journey been with money and what brought you to writing this book? Well, I, I'm always reminded of that uh, quote that we teach best what we most need to learn. So I've had my own journey with money. And uh, at one point, uh, very early in my 20s, um, I had a very short marriage. And um, what came from that is my beautiful baby girl. And I found myself a single parent living in a big city and living from paycheck to paycheck. And that was a really anxious time in my life regarding money. And I remember it was really also a very pivotal point because when I hit rock bottom, the only way I could go was up. And um, when I, I really wanted to make a concerted effort to feel really empowered in my life. And money was one of those ways, because as you say, we do interact with it on a daily basis. And at that point, I thought to myself, if I'm ever in a position to, to empower and help women in my own way, I will do that. So fast forward to many, many years later where I became a corporate executive and I was doing a lot of social impact work in public policy. And that was really rewarding. But at the same time, I had this inner restlessness that I was meant to be doing something else and even something bigger than that. And uh, I... I didn't pay attention and, you know, five years goes goes forward and I ended up uh, hitting really uh, rock bottom uh, burnout because I was just so, so exhausted and I had to take time off work and recuperate. And what ended up, up happening is one morning I just kind of bolted up in bed and said, you know what, I'm going to quit my job today. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to devote my time to uh, being um, a life coach at the time. And, you know, because I was a certified coach already and, you know, really work with women because I said I had this, you know, remember, I was remembering that I want to still have that empowerment for women. And then I started to work with women and I started to also then feel those emotions that I had years, years back when I was living from paycheck to paycheck around money, even though by this time I had completely reinvented my relationship with money. And then I started to work with women and helping them move forward. And whatever it was, there was always something to do with money. So then I started to really take a look at their relationships with money and so forth and doing a lot of uh, work uh, and trial and, and see what worked. And so I started to develop programs and services around it. And then the book naturally came out of the fact that I would love to empower and reach so many more women with this platform and this message. And a book will do that. So um, so that's how I came to be. And, and really, I think that the linchpin of this, April, was that you know, this is the best time right now for women to have financial empowerment and all of the uprising in um, the Me Too movement, Time's Up or what have you, because women still remain an untapped power in our society. And we have to change the current state of affairs. 
Well, thank you for um, bringing us through that story. That's uh, great. And I, I appreciate you talking about your struggles and, and being real about, you know, what your, what your journey has been. And I would agree. I think that, you know, now is the time for women to also reap the rewards of money and feel like they're deserving of it. And, um, and feel that they're worth it. And one of the things that I learned in your book, and I always say we learn something new every day, is that, and I would pose the question to our listeners, does anyone know where the word money comes from? And I did not, but I learned from you. That is the name of the Roman goddess, Juno Monita. Am I saying that right? I think so. It's Moneta or Monita. Moneta? Yes. Yeah. So that was really cool. And I, you know, I love building altars and having different saints and stuff like that. And so that, that led me to Google, well, who is this Roman goddess? And, you know, let me see. And, you know, I was looking at the pictures of her on coins and things of that sort. So that, that was a really uh, cool thing that I learned. Can you talk a little bit more about what this Roman goddess did and how money came to be named after her? Sure. She was, um, she was the, well, the Romans uh, actually had her as their symbol, and she ruled over finances in, in Roman times, and which I thought was really fascinating, because when I came across that as well, I didn't know that either. And uh, she guarded the Roman Empire's finances, and a temple was, was built around her in the Roman Forum, uh, to honor her, and this is around 300 uh, BC. And uh, so every time we use the word money, we're actually invoking her name, which is really fascinating. And at the same time, over the years, you never heard about that again, you know, because women's women's position and the the perception of women really changed, you know, many many years. And and uh, there wasn't that empowerment. So it, part of part of the the ode, if you will, to this book is to return to to that sense of power. Yeah, I, I love learning about that. And um, my, I plan on putting a picture of her on my altar because why not? Right. We can we can we'll take a little bit of help from anywhere that we can. Yes, so. exactly. And, you know, I love to say to my clients is if you ever need to borrow some courage, I will lend it to you until you don't need it anymore. <laughs> Love so, it. Yeah, so so we can do that with Juno Moneta as well. Yeah. And one of the things that I really loved about your book, so, you know, with our listeners, um, everybody probably has some sort of point of where they are in their life with money. And if people are trying to strive for more money or just be comfortable with a certain amount, I always find that maybe we don't actually ask some of the questions that you present in your book uh, that can really help us to begin and have more of a starting point of narrowing down what our goals are. And I wanted to read some of these questions so our listeners, as they are listening to us speak, that they can hold some of these questions in their mind. And um, these questions you actually have listed in chapter four of your book, Discovering Your Financial Starting Point. So Mary Flora asks us to ask ourselves the following five questions. What is your current relationship with money? How do you feel about money and why? What is your early, earliest memory of money? 
What and who has influenced your view of money? And on a scale from one to 10, how satisfied are you with your financial life and why? And, you know, many times I think these questions are just overlooked. You know, we're, we're looking at the bills, we're looking at what we get paid and it's like, okay, I want to go on that trip. So what do I have to do to save? Or, you know, where's my priority there? But I think that these questions that you, uh, you know, are asking us to ask ourselves are really important for us to take a look at how we're going to shift our relationship with money. Yes, yes, exactly. And I use these myself, too. And I've used them. It's it's a taking stock, really, is what it is. And, and you're right, we don't do enough of that. And I, I also say in the book that one of the things of, of when we are able to look at these things, and how we are with money, what what kind of relationship do we have with money? I mean, I've heard people say, oh, I have a feast or famine relationship with money, or I have a love-hate relationship with money. And we're so concerned with uh, financial literacy, if you will, you know, managing money, spending, how to spend it best, how to save it, how to invest it, how to give it away. I mean, that's all very, very important. But what I say in the book is that when you have a deeper understanding of your relationship with money and and how you feel about it and why and how it comes into your life, what it means to you, and when you do that, you'll actually have a better sense of being able to really take in all that financial literacy and why you're doing what you're doing. So this is kind of the, the precursor, if you will, that we tend to forget. Yeah. And there was a part in your book, I, I can't find it. I thought I highlighted it, but you had made a sh- very short comment, yet very powerful, something to the effect of money is love. <laughs> and I remember I sat back and I said, Ooh, whoa, hold on a second. I bet there are many people out there that would say money is the root of all evil. I've heard so many people say that in life, but then here you were really taking this very loving stance with money. And I'd like you to talk a little bit more about that. Yes. Well, in the book, I talk about these timeless truths about money. And and thank you for bringing up the fact, first of all, April, about the whole money is the root of all evil comment, which is, by the way, has been taken out of context in the Bible, because it, it's really supposed to say the love of only money is the root of, you know, that kind of comment. <laughs> But um, but what you're talking about is that um, a lot of people actually comment on that, which is really interesting. And so I say in the book is that money is a form of love because it love is the most powerful force in the universe, because what it does is it magnifies um, all the good things that we love. We love uh, kindness, there's hope, there's generosity, well-being. And you know, when you tap into that feeling of feeling love about something, there's this expansive feeling and and we can't see it, but it feels like our energy just really, really opens up. And I thought, what if we connected money with love? And it could open up tremendous possibilities for joy because of the fact that we are the source of all our wealth and abundance, if you will. And for women, which is so important, and it is connected to love, 
because at the purest aspect, when, when women are empowered with money, they become difference makers. And why I say this is research shows that on average, women reinvest 90 cents of every dollar that they earn back to family, back to health, back to education, uh, nutrition. And so that's very much demonstrating love. And that is our, our unique connection to money, if you will. And, and the more we think about it in those terms, it opens up new possibilities. And I think that there's an opportunity for greater healing and peace and harmony in the world when, uh, when women can be empowered with money. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I, it was years ago, one of the first things that changed my view about money and kind of on the same topic of love, uh, somebody once said to me that, well, April, money is just another form of energy. You understand energy, right? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, it's no different. And for me, I, I think in some ways I kind of had the idea of money so much on this high pedestal that it was almost intimidating. Um, you know, part of my family background was, you know, my family had to work really hard for it. We were probably, you know, lower class, um, not a lot of money. I wasn't the kid that was running around in name brown, name brand clothes. We were going to Salvation Army and, you know, trying to make ends meet. So my family had um, more of a relationship of lack with money than abundance. So I was really and have been trying to work really hard to change that relationship. But once I looked at it as a form of energy rather than this more of this entity with great power, I was less intimidated by it. And I felt like it was then that I was able to work with the energy of money in a much different perspective and way. Mm, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. And and being able to, it sounds like you really came to terms with with that relationship too and really yes. put it put it in a place that felt so much more empowerment for you exactly and we're going to talk a little bit more about the law of abundance in a little bit um but before we get there, also staying on the same track with women and how you were talking about how women reinvest their money, I found it really interesting in your book on page 53, you have a whole section on how women perceive money and about the female brain and how that's different from the male brain. So can you talk a little bit more about that too? Yes, yes. Uh, it was actually really fun to research this because I was really looking at you know, why, what is so unique about women's relationship with money, first of all? So, I mean, to better understand it, we have to go back to, to really understanding our, our uh, brain. So the female brain has more connecting brain cells than the male brain. So what this means is that we can multitask a lot better than men. And and men, whereas men is they focus on one thing at a time. So this is a bit of an aside, but when we get upset with our significant others, <laughs> when, when um, for instance, my husband's reading the newspaper and I'm trying to talk to him, <laughs> it's not technically his fault because he's only focusing on one thing at a time. <laughs> so we're already multitasking. But uh, for... Um, for women, for us, we also have a greater capacity for uh, emotions, for language, for communication, and for um, for all of that. And what that means that we're all, what we perceive money 
is that we don't perceive it in isolation and we don't see it in isolation. Rather, we we see it connected to emotions, to relationships and meaning. So for us, um, as women, we really would think of others, our family, our children, and and others when we begin to make financial decisions, especially larger financial decisions, because we're always thinking about how is this going to impact somebody else. And um, because for us, we use money as a way to express love, to take care of ourselves, to take care of others, to help others who are less fortunate and to pay forward our own successes. And so you know, that is that really puts I call that the unique feminine connection to money, because once I really realized that, then I sort of understood, okay, so this goes to on so many more levels, the emotions go on so many more levels for women, including with money. Uh, Very interesting, interesting research on that. Now, I'm sure there's some men out there listening saying, wait, wait a second. That's my whole drive for money, the love of my kids, the love of my wife, my family. I just want them to do well. So I'm sure that men, too, also have, even though they're more linear thinkers, um, you know, with the brain, that they, too, are tapped into an emotional side as well. Oh, of course. Yes, of course. Um, however, I would say that it's not may not be the the exact default, like the first thought, gotcha. uh, whereas it would be for women. Yes. Oh, yes, okay. absolutely. And uh, because I mean, of course, I mean, there's so many and uh, so many men who are just so generous and and giving and all of that. Of course, there's so many of them. And we're actually, for us as women, to really move forward in all of the, the empowerment that we want to do on many levels, including financially, we need the partnership of men as advocates, as champions. And so, you know, this isn't, it isn't, you know, this commentary isn't about not thinking about men, but really just focusing on how women can really see themselves to reclaim who they really are. Great. Thank you for that. And, um, and now switching gears a little bit with chapter five, this, I, I think this is some of the fun stuff, manifesting mm-hmm. financial prosperity. So in, in this chapter, you to, you talk a lot about the universal and spiritual laws. And this brings us to, I'm going to read them just for our listeners, the law of abundance, law of attention, law of attraction, which I'm sure many people are familiar with. Um, Some of the ones that I haven't heard before are law of clarity, law of flow, law of giving, and law of receiving, law of manifestation, I'm familiar with, and then law of non-attachment, law of prosperity, law of success, law of limitless thinking. Mm. Wow, there's a lot of laws there. <laughs> yeah, there's 12 altogether and it, in the book. And it's true, I talk about it because most people don't really know about that. Mo- most people have heard of law of attraction. Of course, the like attracts like. But there's so many more that uh, over the years I've really tapped into what uh, very successful people on many levels, including financially, know and how they use the energy and and co-create with the universe all the time. And so I started trying these. Uh, I can't, I I would say I would probably have been started this about 20, 25 years ago, 
to start thinking about these and putting it into my life. And I, I had never really shared it, you know, other than with clients and so forth. So I thought it would be really good to put it in the book, part of the manifesting aspect of it. But also, if you want greater um, ease, grace and ease in your life, why not use this as well in terms of moving forward with, with feeling more abundant with money? Yeah, and and I was hoping that maybe we could talk about some of these um, because sure. I am familiar. The one that I'm most familiar with, obviously, is Law of Attraction, and I've created vision boards before. Usually, I create two. I create a vision board just for all aspects of my life, and then I usually do a money board. Um, and I have found that when I have done my money boards and I'm looking at it every single day, and I put fun stuff on there, like I'm going to win free stuff and you know mm-hmm. free things come my way just because I, my old story used to be that I was never that lucky person. And I said, well, I'm going to change that story and I'm going to work with what I believe you call the law of abundance and realize that abundance is my natural state. And of course, you know, ask you shall receive and, and, Mm. you know, I'm, I'm worthy of that. Um, so I think most people are familiar with the law of attraction. I also like that you talked a little bit in the book about how sometimes it could be misunderstood and, you know, that there's a little bit more to it than just kind of, you know, asking and saying, okay, I want more of this and I'm going to think of it. And then it shows up. There's, there's more work to be done behind that. Would you agree? Yes, exactly. A lot more work. It's because it's whatever we're doing, it, it happens quite quickly when we're able to be in alignment with who we are, what our purpose is, what is for the highest good and our highest intention. When all of those can line up and we're also looking, we live in a physical world, a physical universe where if we ask for something in terms of the law of attraction, it, it comes back to us, you know, through through people, energy, and, and what have you. But what most people don't really believe or even consciously understand is that as soon as we say something, there's an energy that generates out from us to to return some sort of a uh, an effect. And we're constantly saying yes or no to it. And so... Most people will say, oh, I really want this. And so the universe is yes. And it starts to rearrange itself behind the scenes to help you you get that. But in probably two, two, a minute later, people will say, oh, yeah, but that's too hard. So that cancels it out. So when we do that, you know, be in that energy, be in that moment and and surrender it to the universe. But also at the same time, you have to take action. You have to take action that you feel inspired with so that you can think, okay, this feels like the right path. I'm going to do this because then the next step lights up and the next step lights up. And when that happens, that's how we're able to more concretely manifest. And and I, I find that most people don't do that because we've got like a push-pull of, oh, I really like that, but oh, it's probably too hard to get. So it doesn't, it can't come to fruition. 
Right. And you also talk about with the law of clarity that, you know, it's really important for people to be clear about what their deepest desires are um, in order for the universe to respond accordingly. It's like just getting very clear. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, clarity is so, so important. It's actually the the key, the very first key to manifesting, because once we get very clear on something, that means we make a decision. And the word decide is actually a Latin word uh, called decidere, to mean to cut off. And what that means is when you make a decision, you cut off all other options because you're going to go with this one. So that brings about clarity. And when there is clarity, that brings about intent. And then when everything is lined up with your highest good, the decision that you make, the actions that you take for the for the right purpose, the universe does get behind you in that it starts to support you because all of a sudden it will seem coincidental, but people will start to come forward. Uh, resources, opportunities, and you have to be awake to your good. And then you can start to, when it feels right, because, you you know, uh, we have to also develop the muscle of our intuition, which I, I seem to think is, is a, a lost gift at the moment. But when we develop that, um, we can more easily begin to manifest much quicker. Great. Thank you for that. And I was wondering if we could also talk about ego and money um, and, and law of attraction. And, you know, I interview so many people, so I feel like it's so impossible for me to develop any sort of belief system, which is probably a good thing because I do hear that one of my teachers says beliefs can be traps. You know, it's like you believe one thing, it puts you in a box. And, you know, sometimes I start to form some ideas about money and manifesting, and then I'll talk to an astrologist and they'll say, well, you know, if, if Jupiter is somewhere in somebody's chart, and then it makes me wonder, well, maybe everything is just predestined. Maybe we really, we may think that we're working with law of attraction, but maybe there is something behind our whole life plan that is just already set with how money's going to be in our life. Um, so I have like questions about that, that make me feel very confused. And then the ego part of it too, when we talk about law of attraction, you know, the vision boards that I've done, you know, sometimes I think, well, is that more ego driven? Because here is my ego saying, I want, I want, I want, you know, I, I really want to go on this trip. So I want this money to do, be able to do that. And, um, you know, if, if I get this amount of money now I can buy a house and now I have this at house. So how do we work with the ego of wanting more, but also allowing this to be spiritual and having a surrender to the divine to allow that energy to come in and be blessed by that? It's a beautiful question, April. It's really a balance. It, it's it's really a balance because in if, I say that abundance is our natural state. And that I believe to really be true. And I've seen that in my own life. And the more you make and the more abundant you become, if you can really incorporate service through that, through helping others, through doing what you love and finding a way to to use that in service to others, 
your abundance will continue to grow. And there, what if you, what if you didn't believe that it's ego driven? What if you're doing all these good things and you're being of service and a lot of abundance is coming back to you as a form of reward, which you can then use in other ways, like buy a house, go on a trip with family. And uh, because, the you know, everything has to be a balance. It doesn't mean that we're always just serving or we're always just um, giving or buying. So there, that balance of the yin and yang and how abundance can can flow in and out of our life and we can interweave it with service and also with fun because we also have to fill our, our cup as well because that's how we can be the very best when we're um, self-fulfilled rather than being selfish, because we sometimes can think that as women, it's a form of really um, filling our cup. So you can, I mean, I always say, and I've said this in the book, is that you can be spiritual and rich at the same time. You don't have to choose. <laughs> I like that. And, you know, and, and, and speaking about, you know, money and happiness as well, I, I think that a certain level of money can really help to lower anxiety overall. Uh, you know, when you are not constantly in, you know, what I would say kind of like the root chakra of being in survival and, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, um, you know, I think that when you do have a certain amount of money, it can kind of take you up and out of that fight or flight response, at least in our culture. Um, that's part of uh, one of my beliefs. Now, the other question that I have related to that, or I guess the comment is, is that I've also have worked with many people who are very rich that have tons of money, um, money, but it's not bringing them happiness. You know, there's a lack of happiness in all other areas of their life. So, you know, sometimes too, I think giving money so much power of, well, if I just had this much amount, I'm going to be so much happier. You know, I think that there's a, a level that it can help, but I've also seen people who have great amount of success and abundance and all the money that they need, but they still feel very empty. Very true. Very true. And and that does happen at a certain level. You're right. Uh, you want to be at a certain level where you can have all your needs met and whatever that is for you, because everybody has a, a different threshold. And beyond that, really, the most the happiest people are the ones who use their money as a force for good. You'll see people like Oprah, people like Ellen DeGeneres, Bill and Melinda Gates. There is so much, there is so much more that they're really using the money to fuel something else. I mean, they're at a level now where they have, they're creating legacy. Right. And, and, and significance. And so, and the people who do have a lot of money and, and focus only on money and, devoid of other aspects of their life, where, where I call holistic wealth, holistic richness, is, is I can really see that that could uh, take so much um, happiness away from them because of the fact that 
they're in a position to to give and to make an impact, and yet they don't. So, so likely they'll need to work on other parts of their lives and and help money to feel something better for them. Like, why are they here? Why why are they here at this time in this moment on this on this plane, Earth plane? What good can they do? And and I find really for women, that's why I say when women are empowered with money, they become difference makers. That's exactly what's happened to me as well. Once I reach a, a certain level that I really don't have a lot of other needs, it's all about paying it forward and giving back. And that's where a lot of the fulfillment, a lot of the fulfillment can actually come because there's this, it feels like the, your soul is just so so elevated of being able to do something like this and it comes back to you you know we were talking about you had mentioned the law of giving and receiving because when we're actually giving in in many aspects it's really creates a vacuum for the universe to 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 come back and to to give back to us at some point in time and so the, you know for people listening that is such a, an important thing to understand is that there's really a purpose for us here and we have a bigger mission. And let let us use money to, to fuel that as a force for good. Right. And how does, you know, part of you know, the title of your book is Money, Manifestation and Miracles. And, um, you know, I do study A Course in Miracles and they and, and this may be different than what you're talking about, but in A Course in Miracles, they say that if a miracle isn't happening, then something is wrong <laughs> because, you know, there's that belief that in every day you can find a miracle, even if it's a small thing. So how do, how does miracles play into what you're teaching? I talk about miracles really with alignment and intent with, with intention. So I talk about taking aligned intentional actions uh, because when you're in alignment uh, with the highest intention, the highest uh, best self and your highest purpose and mission, and then you take intentional actions from that place, from that um, mindset, then extraordinary results as in miracles can occur. So I talk about it from a, a sense of extraordinary results. Um, and uh, perhaps I haven't really studied that aspect in A Course of Miracles, but perhaps if if um, the belief is that something is not going right, if miracles aren't occurring, perhaps it's more because there's a misalignment or a disconnection or out of alignment with who with the person and the, the expectation. Absolutely. And usually in, in that teaching, it means that you're more aligned in fear than you are in love. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And from my, from my definition, it's really about, you know, taking the actions and not letting the opportunities pass you by. You have to be awake to your good. And at the other end of it, April is you have to know when to surrender and let the universe do its magic. Because sometimes when we want something um, really badly, we'll hold on to it 
and keep thinking about it, overthinking about it, and it delays the manifestation. Because there's, you know, that that energy when you just, everything seems kind of stale because you're caught in an anxious feeling about something. Yes. And, um, and when you surrender it, you basically say to the universe, I trust you and I trust that what will come back to me may be even better than what I have in mind and what I'm asking for is, uh, because I trust you, universe, that and divine source, that it will come back to me as it should. And I've had many situations. I mean, even the tiniest situations, you know, when you're expecting a call or you're expecting somebody to um, an email or something really important and you're thinking about it, you're thinking about it, like you'll check your phone, you'll check. And um, I had that recently and I said, oh, forget it. You know, it'll come when it comes. And I went for a walk and I forgot my phone. I walked the dog. (laughs) And of course, as soon as I came back, you know, there was a voicemail. And so that's just a very uh, small example. But it's really trusting uh, the universe that what will come back to you is probably even likely uh, better than you thought. Or it can come back to you in a different form because it's something else that you'll find out was for your highest good in the long run. Right. And another way that I think people can look at it and you have it in your book, and I love this example, uh, talking about being in alignment with it is if our listeners can hold in their mind, the energy of their best friend and think Mm -hmm. about when you're in the company of your best friend, what does that feel like? It's usually, you know, for most people light, it's fun, silly, laughter, uh, comfort, home, you know, it just feels so good to be around your best friend. And in your book, you said, if money was your best friend, how would you treat it? And I thought that that was just a brilliant way, again, of shifting the focus. And if you really said, okay, money's not going to be the enemy, but I'm going to love it. It's going to be my best friend. How would you treat it? Uh, I I love that metaphor. Yes, yes. Thank you. And I came up with that, actually, because I started to uh, play some games with my clients because they were just taking themselves too seriously. <laughs> so, so we were we started playing that game. And what if, how would you treat it? What would you do with money? How would you keep it? How would you spend it? And what, what does your wallet look like? If, if money's your best friend, what do you put, how, where do you put it to keep it with you? And um, I have this funny game that I, I play with people in my workshops and everybody takes out their wallets and, and um, we have a good look. They have a good look at it. You know, one, one woman had she, she might have just taken some gum out and had a piece of paper <laughs> and stuck it in there. You know, I mean, it's all kinds of stuff. And usually what happens is people will later on send me a, a message somehow and say, oh, look at my new wallet. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just it it's uh it's a way of being more lighthearted with the universe as well. You know, when we are in that moment where we feel childlike and we have that excitement and that exuberance, doesn't it just feel more fun? Absolutely. Yeah. It always does. Yeah. yeah. 
You know, and as you're talking about the wallet, something that just came to mind when we're thinking about being in alignment, uh, manifesting law of attraction, you know, the, the law of flow, as I'm thinking about, okay, what do I have in my wallet? And um, I carry a couple of credit cards. Mm-hmm. And what just came to mind as you were saying that was, gosh, maybe it would be a good idea to actually take credit cards out of the wallet. Because what does a credit card kind of speak of when we're talking about relationship with money? It's like, well, I don't have enough, but I could put it on the credit card. I'm going to borrow this money. I'll eventually have to pay it back, but I'll have to pay it back with interest. For me personally, when I think about what a credit card represents, and maybe this could be my own belief or I have to change that in a way, um, it almost seems to me that might drag the energy and the flow down a little bit because of what a credit card actually means, because it's not technically my money. Or could I reverse the thought of keeping those cards in my wallet and saying, oh, look, I have all this extra money that I could have towards me that I could tap into. So how do do you work with somebody like me that has a thought like that um, (laughs) with trying to manifest, trying to, you know, create the wallet as a representation and a symbol of wealth and abundance? Uh, Do we hold credit cards in there or do we not? Or do we make it more simple or do what, what, what do I do with that thought? In the long run, it will really, you will have to come to terms in terms of how you really feel about it emotionally, what what feels right for you. Um, what I would say, though, is that having the credit card is in of itself not the, it's just a credit card. It's the meaning that we put to it. Um, perhaps a more expansive thought is, wow. The universe trusts me to make the money to pay it back. Mm, perfect. The universe trusts me to. Uh, it's a very, it's a very good question, um, April. And I'm sure a lot of people, you know, now that you've said it, a lot of people are, are your listeners are listening to this and thinking, yeah, that's true. Uh, the f- reframe on that is. The universe trusts me and the universe has my back and knows that the money will come in and therefore I can pay it back. And, you know, the cycle of abundance continues. Yes, I like that. And, and, you know, for those listeners and I'm sure for yourself too, like, to me, it's constantly working with these thoughts, changing the story, reframing it, like you said, you know, as I was sitting there and working that out right in the moment here, it's like, okay, you know, constantly challenging myself. Am I coming at this from a view of lack, fear, scarcity, or is there a way to look at it different, you know, as you had said, and then what I was saying was, okay, well, I will have the funds to be able to pay this back. And if I do believe in abundance, then what a gift that these credit, that I have this credit card with this amount that, you know, know, I can bring something into my life that maybe I love or that I need. Um, so it's also constant work. And this is where you were talking about law of attraction. Isn't that easy? I mean, you have to work, you have to work at it and put some action to it and really be very diligent because the mind, gosh, it can just run away with some of our thoughts in an instant. Yes. That that are not in alignment. You know, when we talk about the alignment, so some of our thoughts can quickly be out of alignment. Yes. And, you know, one of the ways uh, it's that's a very good point. So two things with that, April, is one, we're always developing a muscle in the way that, you know, now we're thinking about money in a different way. We want to think more productively and abundant about it. So that's like creating a muscle. You you have to start 
uh, with small things, and then over time, it'll just become uh, a habit. And I read somewhere that it takes about 80 to 90 times of repeated attempts to change one behavior. Mm. So, you know, so fear not people, (laughs) you know, we're all, we're all in the process of becoming all the time. And this is so interesting because there's so many layers, isn't there? Like you're peeling the onion and you've done that and then you get to the next level and then it, it does the same thing, you know? And that's why when I was saying at the very beginning is, you know, I dealt with my money fears in my twenties and then here I was becoming uh, an entrepreneur and it, it came back again. I thought, oh my goodness, why is this? It, it was coming back in a different form. It was coming back from the form that I'm so successful. Why would I start from zero? You know, so it, right. it's that kind of thing. So it's, it's, um, we're always in the process of becoming. So it's always uh, a muscle that we have to, um, develop and, um, And the other aspect of it is really from a mind shift, uh, mindset perspective is to, to always, uh, you know, ask yourself, does this mindset, you know, what's the emotion to that? Does this make me feel good or not? (laughs) And most of the time, most of the time it doesn't, it just causes this kind of internal uh, anxiety. And sometimes, you know, you have to almost do uh, some of my clients actually do this. They just say, stop. That's their key word, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then they, they, they shift because the most, the most beautiful thing of what gets to happen is actually that as you were talking about money story and, and stories in general, they're made up. We, the we, uh, mankind we love stories for centuries and centuries because it gives us a way of putting things into perspectives and it gives us a way to make sense of something. And so uh, uh, stories are very easy, actually. You know, you can just say, this is my current story. This is the new story I want. So in between that is the gap. What can I let go of that's no longer serving me? Right. And and you um, you continue to to look at that. And actually, April, one of the other pieces that's really helpful when you're doing this kind of shift are affirmations. So affirmations are um, declarations and and we affirm of what it is that we desire and what we want. And affirmations can be really uh, just simple sentences that are in the positive and in the present that make you feel empowered. And so if we were to take what you've just said about uh, with the credit cards, now you're feeling like, wow, the universe trusts me. That could be an, an affirmation if you wanted to make it one. Mm-hmm. You know, something, could, yeah. something like the, the universe trusts me and I am free from all debt. Would that be a good like that? Or it could be, well, the word debt probably will bring you down. It could be the universe trusts me uh, because I, because I, the world is, the universe trusts me, the world is abundant and so am I. So really some, really going more general than specific. Yes, it can be. I mean, you can go really specific with your goal. 
Um, but if you're trying to change your mindset, because your mindset, you'll, we have so many thoughts all the time, right? Those thoughts can be, um, if we can, usually they're general. And then as we start to focus more and more and more and more, (laughs) the anxiety can go up more and more and more. And so the, I mean, I've had people say things like, you know, I am happy, healthy and wealthy. And they'll repeat that over and over again in the course of a day, or they'll start something else. And, um, because what that does is it makes you feel expansive. It makes you feel optimistic. And then something new will come in that will go, oh, that's really nice. I like that feeling. Thank you, universe. I'm grateful right. for that. And then something else, something else. So, and it's really, it. you know, this book, I, there's so many tools, tips, and strategies in here. And I, I've said at the beginning of it is you have to make it your own. You know yourself the best. You have and, to make it your own. Yeah, and I was just going to say that too as we're wrapping up the interview that you do have so many tips, so many strategies, so many questions for people to be self-reflective. Um, the book is really, really wonderful. But what would you leave our listeners with as, you know, what do you think are your most important tips here to get somebody um, to really start this process? Maybe two or three things that they can begin their journey in a different way than what they've been doing all along. Yes. So number one, from a mindset perspective, think of it this way, no matter where you are, what your challenges with uh, with money have been, they don't define who you are because you are the one in charge of your future. You have an, an opportunity to make it whatever you want it to be. And the other thing is to, by, by developing uh, and embracing your unique relationship with money, what you're really doing is you are really empowering yourself in all areas of your life. Money is only just the lens that we're looking at where you could be holding yourself back. And the other aspect is to apply, go inward. Take an inward journey with this book. Apply all the the tools, the strategies, and the tips that are there because they are meant to help you not only transform your life fi- financially, but also emotionally and spiritually as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. This was a really fun and interesting book. I learned a lot. It's giving me a lot to think about. And if people really feel the connection with you and they like what you had to say on this interview and they feel compelled to want to work with you, how do you work individually with people and where do they get that information? Yes. And thank you so much, April. I've really loved our time together. And I've loved the fact that you read the book so well that we could have this in-depth conversation. So thank you so much for that. Um, People can reach me at my website at maryfloor.co. That's M-E-R-I-F-L-O-R dot C-O. And um, there's many ways there to see how we can uh, work together. And um, you all you have to do is reach out, fill out a little form and, um, you know, we can get started because um, I love the fact that um, there's so many unique aspects and uh, and depth to abundance. And if I could be of any service to help people move forward, I'm just so delighted to do that. 
Wonderful. And I have one more question for you. Now, oh, if, you have, if you have people coming to you, right, and they want to work with you, but what, what happens if they are in like this financial rut? They're trying to shift everything with money, but, and I, I don't even know what your prices are. I didn't take a look to see what it, what it would cost to work with you, but do you work with people at all on um, some sort of payment plan if they are currently struggling, but you could really hear that they have that motivation and desire and trustworthiness um, to like work with you, you help them to get where they need to be and, you know, is that exactly. possible? Yeah. Yes, of course. Of course. I have, um, and really it depends where the person is because everything is customized to where they are. And, um, I will work with them to meet them where they are. And that includes, uh, financially. I do work with women entrepreneurs as well, who are, you know, in the, uh, multiple six figures, seven figures, and, and they're on the, the, um, my millionaire difference makers path. Uh, program. But if people want to bring in more abundance in their lives and really um, want to use, um, not only can they learn more from, from the book, but they really want to learn directly uh, with me. Yes, there is. It, it really depends on the situation, who it is and where they are in the course of their journey. And, and we make it happen for them because they're working directly with me. That's wonderful. Well, Mary Floor, thank you so much. You were a great guest. Um, loved the book and loved having your energy here on our show. Oh, thank you so much, April, and sending so many blessings to everyone who's listening. If you want more information about our films, visit our website, path11productions.com, to purchase DVDs or to rent and stream each film. You can also find our trilogy of films on iTunes, Amazon Prime, and Gaia.com. You can still use our smartphone app for both Android and iPhones. Just search for Path 11 in the Google Play App Store, or if on an iPhone, look for Path 11 in the iOS App Store. Catch you next time!